In every coffee shop, library, co-working space, there are ascenders working tirelessly to achieve greatness in their chosen field. Entrepreneurs, authors, musicians, speakers, all soaring towards their definition of success. You haven't seen their names in magazines or history books yet. I'm James Darty, and this is The Ascenders. This is a very exciting episode because it's my first double interview with Kathy Castro and Mia Maniput. Now, the two grew up in Reno, Nevada, but didn't meet until they both joined the same sorority in college. We're going to talk a lot about how to keep a friendship going even when you move in different directions and move to different parts of the country. Now, I know with me, I've had a hard time keeping in touch with people from high school, from college, even people in the same town as me. But these two have found a way to make sure that their close friendship doesn't die. Here's my talk with Kathy and Mia. So you guys grew up in, did you guys grow up in Reno? Yes, we did grow up in Reno. Um, what was the hangout spot in Reno? Oh, man. Oh, gosh, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, so I grew up from the rivalry um, high school from Mia. So she went Ooh. to Reno High, I went to McQueen. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just a very, um, like a, a very suburban area. And it was kind of hard um, finding people that look like this. So um, the hangout spot for me, I was hanging out with like the skater kids. So we would go to Walmart and we would hang out because it was just a really small city. I don't know what you did. I feel like you probably did something more I went to coffee shops growing up, uh, and I did a lot of Ooh, classy. There. It was uh, it was an escape from uh, living like it was an escape from um, you know at my parents from my parents' house. Mm. What did uh so what did you two meet? We met in the fall of twenty fourteen. So we met in college. We met later. Oh, okay, in so it was later. All right, so let's mm-hmm. go back. So you guys grew up in the same town, but didn't meet each other before. So I guess we'll start with Mia. So talk about um, your growing up life. Talk about your relationship with your parents. What was your support system? So my parents um, were immigrated to from the Philippines to Reno, Nevada in the late 80s. And I was born in January of 1992. I raised as an only child um, but later on in life I found out that my dad had um, another another son from uh, from a different from his like previous wife so he told me that like around 14 and I got really confused because mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one uh, so it was really hard for me to develop a relationship with him however um, we're okay it's just that we didn't have you know the the arguments, the fighting, or like, you know, those like day-to-day interactions, um, like, you know, as regular, as siblings. Um, so, and then. Did, did uh, you, was, at that time, did you, did you meet that, that half sibling? Yeah, I met the half sibling like a year later when we went to the Philippines for my grandparents' uh, 50th wedding anniversary. And so we met them, we met him there and uh, he actually, the plan was for him to come to Reno with us uh, after that vacation. Mm, what, what were you feeling like during that? Uh, since I was a sophomore in high school and it was a big adjustment since it was my mom, my dad, myself, both my grandparents lived with us and uh, now him uh, who was included in the household. It was definitely a full house growing up. Uh, it was never, it was never like, it was never a dull moment. Uh, it was just different only because we didn't, none of us really knew how his upbringing was in the sense of like, is he, is he, tr- like he is, obviously he's trustworthy, but we didn't know like the little things about him. So we mm. had to learn over time how he was. So it was a lot of trust building going on. Yeah, a lot of trust building, but it was, it was, we there was a, there was mutual respect um, through all of it, though. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, Kathy, and then you grew up on the other side of the tracks. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I <laughs> grew up in the other side of Reno, and um, growing up, I was considered the youngest one out of um, all my cousins. Um, we're a big family, so my my mom had seven brothers and sisters, so that resulted in a lot of cousins. And oh, wow. I was, yeah, um, I was the youngest one. And because I was the youngest one, they always wanted to, I don't know, take care of me. Um, they showed me a lot of affection. I really appreciate it. Um, and my, their, my aunts and uncles had opportunities um, in Vegas. And um, everyone slowly started moving to Vegas. And I was about five or six at this time. So it was really hard because you went from having all your best friends living at your aunt's house, um, like playing all the time, to kind of feeling isolated. And um, at this time, um, it was just me and my sister. And growing up, me and my sister fought a lot too. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, we didn't get along. So I had to find um, my way to belong um, through other friendships um, growing up. And my, I had a, I have a younger brother too. So I was the middle child and being the middle child, you learn how to be the peacemaker. And that's just kind of how my personality is growing up. And yeah, just growing up through that, um, I just found a lot of um, friendships to, um, you know, guide me through life because me and my sister didn't get along at that time. And my brother and I were just so um, age difference um, was large. So it was hard to connect with him too. Mm. So while your family was getting smaller, Mia's was getting bigger. Was yeah. There? yeah. So you guys didn't know each other, but you grew up and you both, you said there were some problems or you had some trouble with finding people who look like you growing up. Was it just, was there a rough amount of, just not very much diversity in Reno? So uh, in the part of town I live, it's um, predominantly white neighborhood. So there wasn't a lot of diversity and it was really hard to connect with, um, with people who, uh, you know, I could talk about the Asian culture and I always had, I always felt like I had to suppress, um, I will suppress that. And, you know, I always felt ashamed of it since, you know, these people thought it was weird that I was talking about, uh, you know, going back to the Philippines or talk, or, you know, showing showing them the Filipino food and thinking that it was so foreign to them. Um, I just didn't give that, I just didn't do that growing up. I didn't want to show it growing up. So um, it was it was a challenge. We talk a lot about, uh, I've talked to a lot of people on the show that talks about, you remember in the third door, Alex had the problem where he would go to lunch and he'd open his container and it was Middle Eastern food and everyone was like, what's that? Did you kind of have that same kind of Thing with Filipino food? Yeah, so it's funny because Mia's um, parents, they're just amazing cooks, and I always like buy catering from them because they're really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I embrace it, but yeah. growing up, I actually didn't pack, pack any Filipino food only mm. because one, it was really pungent and I didn't want people to make faces or say anything. So I really did try my best to just go to the grocery store and you know blend with my friends who packed peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as well as uh, goldfish and fruit snacks mm. but see it's so funny because now that they're older i bet they all love like filipino food and curries and stuff like that and, yeah. The, yeah. and they're like man because i think that too i'm like man i wish i had filipino food growing up in in school instead of school lunches Mm -hmm. And life would be so good. Mm -hmm. So did you have a similar one, Kathy? Um, yeah, so regarding food, I just remember it. Um, my dad makes this amazing like octopus dish. And um, I packed that for lunch one day and um, seafood being kind of foul um, in the lunchroom. I just remember like my classmate, they, they would just give me like a disgusting look in their face. And at that time, I was like, you know, like, I'm, I'm like accepting my um, culture. So it was kind of hard to accept it at that time. Because um, I was like, man, I feel kind of ashamed for this. Um, because also on my side of town, it was predominantly white neighborhoods. And um, I found a lot of 
a lot of things to be um, different from American culture, um, including my lunches. Um, and also I just remembered like I had um, a friend, um, a friend's mom, she would like comment on like how dark I was. So early on, that was like really hard to hear, like just being like, okay, I look different. And in the Philippines, um, they promote papaya soap to have a lighter complexion. So there I started um, feeling like I needed to assimilate more um, just to feel more like a stranger to myself that I later discovered um, through my adulthood to embrace my culture. Mm. That's got to be really tough. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But that's so interesting that you both were going through that at the same time. I had no idea. So I imagine you guys, I know Mia said she tried to find an escape. Um, So what kind of escapes did you, did you usually do? Um, So I was raised in a strict household. And so therefore I was, I was sheltered growing up. And because my parents uh, were raised in a different culture, they, um, this, the whole, this new culture in America was totally different and they were very, um, protective yet also paranoid that um, they didn't know what they were getting into if I did hang out with um, a bunch of people or do sleepovers. So um, I turned to, you know, um, the television shows Boy Meets World and even Stevens. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so those, those TV shows have taught me a lot about, you know, everything from love, friendship, um, how to do well in school, like Ren, how Ren Stevens did it. And um, I studied a lot of their behaviors and, and how they, um, you know, how they interacted with other people so that I could emulate those behaviors and apply it to, um, to middle school and high school and so forth. What kind of behaviors exactly? So behaviors, so, um, no, because my parents didn't really know how to interact mm-hmm. like it, with other people, like other people who are Amer- like American people. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, just how to be, pl- just like how to have a conversation with friends, um, how to, what's the right thing and what's the wrong thing to do. Um, if there was like, like a conflict during those television shows, how, how do they resolve it? Um, yeah, and just so forth. Things so it was like, like a crash course in being an American teenager. Yes. And I tried really, really hard um, when I should have just been myself the whole mm. time. And that's something that the t- TV shows didn't teach me was just to be yourself. Um, I felt like I was living in the shadows of Ren Stevens for a really long time. <laughs> I think we all she felt like we were in the shadow of Ren Stevens for a long time. <laughs> yeah. At one point, yeah. She was perfect. Yeah, and there was Louis Stevens too. He was he, he put a fun in her. But then you got Donnie, who was like the football star and yeah. killing it. That's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, there were times when I felt like I was Beans rather than oh, beans yeah, yeah, Beans for sure. <laughs> oh, Beans. Do you see? Have you seen him like today? Yeah, no, he's like twenty nine, but he looks so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's he, weird. Yeah. yeah. So, you need to get him on the show. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I'm yeah. sure he'd be down. Shout <laughs> out Beans. Shout interview. out Beans. Come on. I need everyone out there to hit up Beans. <laughs> so, Kathy, what were your escapes? Uh, or how did yeah. you, I guess, did you have a similar problem with trying to interact with, with others? Or um, was there another um, issue, I yeah. guess? Yeah, so I think it was just, um, I was just fortunate to like grow up with siblings. Um, so that was like my interactions. Um, but also I um, grew up from a strict household too. So I wasn't allowed to play like soccer in a soccer team when I was younger or any of those sports. Mm. Um, so I also used um, like the internet and TV to escape. And um, I learned like, Lizzie McGuire's and That's So Raven, those were my shows. And, um, you know, those like taught me how to interact in elementary school. And like Neopets too, I don't know. I love the 90s nostalgia, but um, 
yeah, those were my first interactions. I had internet friends on Neopets. Um, and I think like just having friendship, like I always had a friend um, growing up and I was able to learn from them. And I was lucky to have um, a best friend throughout my middle school, high school experience and we kept each other accountable. Um, and I was just like learning life through that, um, just uh, me and my friend group during that time. That's good that you, that's really good that you had that. So what did, uh, I guess, 10 to 15 year old Mia and Kathy, what did they want to be when they got older? A singer. Yeah. yeah a singer. Um, I actually wanted to try out for American Idol, um, but my mom, my parents totally shut that down because uh, they, I think they were afraid for me to, if I didn't make it, like how would I react and how would they deal with it? So mm. I, I decided to pursue something else or, you know, just pursue anything but that. She's a great singer. She was in choir, and um, I think I only heard her sing like twice. And I wish I heard it more. Mia, not everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, did that make you uh, to kind of hide your talent? Yeah, I think that's my hidden talent. Um, I this is something that I look back on, and I was like, I I don't I kind of just suppressed it as um, life went on, since I just I didn't know like how it, it was hard for me to like express my feelings growing up too. And um, yeah, it just, it didn't work out. Man, now I want to hear you sing, but uh, obviously not going to sing in the podcast. All right, Kathy, what about you? Um, yeah, so when I think a 16 year old me, um, I, I wanted to be a nurse and my mom uh, was a nurse and a lot of my family members are nurses too. And um, I volunteered a lot. I volunteered in hospice and the VA healthcare system throughout high school. And I like, I really loved it at that time. Um, but um, I, later on in life, I realized that my skills are better suited to somewhere else. Um, but I just want to talk about the, the subject of like feeling um, like I had to do something that my mom was doing. Um, because I just remember this memory and that made me want to be a nurse ever since. And it was when my grandpa was on the treadmill and he fell on the treadmill and he um, slid into this glass surface. And my first initial reaction was to like grab um, soap and water on a napkin and help him with that. And I was five years old at that time. And all my aunts and uncles were praising me, be like, you should be a nurse, you should be like your mom, saving, helping people. Um, and it was just kind of conditioned to me that um, I needed to be this nurse to fulfill this idea they had for me at that age of six years old, helping my grandpa with a wound. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, um, I went through a lot of struggles realizing that um, that wasn't my best suit just to be a nurse. Yeah, that took, that took me, so when I was younger, um, probably around in high school, we kind of settled on a pharmacist, like my family and I, and that was because I was good at science, uh, I understood medication, and it was good, I mean, you work at Walmart, you make six figures, so you have a comfortable, but it took me junior year of college to realize that wasn't my, something I wanted, yeah. so I totally relate to that. Um, Sometimes people don't even realize. I mean, I know pharmacists who didn't realize that until they became pharmacists for like 10 years. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think people should definitely like have these little volunteer opportunities or like mm -hmm. just some sort of clinicals before um, like going out to college to see what you really want to do because you don't really know um, what you want to be until you actually are in those shoes and like, wow, do I even want to live this life, you know? Oh, that would win a Nobel Prize if you could establish that. <laughs> yeah, right? That would, <laughs> that would be, be great. <laughs> be it. I wish, yeah. I, I mean, I wish I had that. Um, all right. So we're going to college now. And that's where you two cross paths. Which college was it? Was it in Reno? Yeah. So it's the University of Nevada, Reno. That's the main one. Yeah. The main one. Yeah. We and, 
you guys see each other and go, that's going to be my best friend forever? <laughs> no. So, um, <laughs> I didn't know it would unfold. I didn't know it would unfold to like where we are now, but I'm really, I'm really grateful for what everything, what had happened in the past. It was just kind of crazy because everything was, um, kind of coincidental. It felt like we were fated to be, um, really close friends, um, from things that we would do. We always found each other. Um, and an example of this was that um, before I even knew Mia, Mia's um, cousin was best friends with my dad growing up. And we had no idea about that. No idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like little things like that. Like, oh, really? You knew my cousin? And it's just it's just small worlds. Um, and we, we actually knew like mutual we actually had mutual friends um, that we were friends with, but we never met each other. We never crossed paths with each other mm -hmm. uh, until we met in college. Yeah, I knew her fiance um, from high school. And yeah, it's just- Oh, so people. like <laughs> everything just clicked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know her and him. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you guys were in the same sorority? Yeah, so um, yeah, we were in the same sorority and I was, in my third year of it and she was just beginning it yeah um i was kind of i just got out of um a long relationship and i wanted to experience like life and um college and i wanted to meet everyone and i joined this sorority um where um i found mia and um she chose to be my big and i was her little yeah, so a big is basically like your big sister slash mentor. Um, that person is just there to like to help you throughout your college experience and whatever you're going through, whether you're struggling or if you like did really well on uh, a paper, uh, you just confide in them. Um, it just it just felt like the transition to becoming a new member uh, in like being initiated into the sorority, uh, it, it was very smooth. So um, yeah, like um, she was definitely, uh, I definitely took her under my wing um, in regards to that. And yeah, it's it's really funny because um, like what I was saying, I was really open to new experiences and um, kind of with my personality, I'm just very susceptible to my surroundings. So um, I, people I was around, um, I would kind of, form into who they were um but deep down I knew who I was and Mia kind of provided me to that reassurance that to be true to yourself um in a way that no no friend really explains um to be how, how exactly was it from her past experiences or was it just from her support and positivity yeah um I think it was just more of her just being compassionately open and um you know she was just so welcoming um introduced me to everyone she knows and um i actually uh, met my boyfriend through mutuals with mia so um yeah it just all worked out yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'll just put into place yeah <laughs> i love that so talk about uh so we talk about I know, Kathy, you talked about adapting to your surroundings. So you moved from Reno where you had trouble with finding people who look like you and had experiences like you. So now you're in college. Was there more representation or were you still struggling to find someone? And then when you found each other, it kind of filled in the gap. Yeah, um, that's, that's a great question. Um, so we were um, in a sorority where it was um, a, um, a mostly white dominated um, sorority and um, we were still like assimilating ourselves because you know um, we kind of had this idea of, um, that was pressed onto us that like um, you'll reach more success if you assimilate more to American culture um, and I was that's why I joined the sorority because I, I wanted to meet more people um, to assimilate more um, but me meeting Mia it was more like we were like the both Filipinos in this predominantly white sorority, and we had. I learned more about my culture being friends with Mia than I learned throughout my childhood, and um, that was just really relieving. 
Um, and when we were talking about coincidences, um, when she graduated from college, she um, booked a trip to the Philippines. And my parents also booked a trip to the Philippines. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And we're actually from the same area, too. The same, like our families, like my dad's side and her like parents lived in the same province. Um, and so we actually met up when we went to the Philippines uh, at that time and explored the different islands uh, throughout the Philippines. We went to so karaoke cool. too. It was yeah, great. Uh, is it KTV in Philippines? KTV, yeah. Is it like the rooms with the TV and the mics? Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, yeah, that's where I heard her um, real singing. Oh, that was yeah. her American Idol audition. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I would definitely, you know, Simon would be happy, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So what, there's so many coincidences in this. How, what does that make you think? Do you think it was all meant to be? Do you think there's, there's more play here? Or do you think it was just a coincidence? I think it was a, well, actually... Uh, since I was raised as an only child, I also had cousins growing up, but I was, I always was the oldest one. So I felt like I had that responsibility to be, uh, to look after them and, you know, be nurture like motherly and very nurturing. So, um, I definitely applied that to, um, to, towards my cousins and also, you know, with Kathy, since she was somebody that I was mentoring. Um, and I just want them to be guided in the right direction, uh, whether or not, let, like whether they take the advice or not. And yeah, I think these experiences that we had, I think it, it is coincidental. I think it was kind of fate, you know, um, I feel like all our mutuals led us to each other. Um, and like the friend group now is because of Mia and I wouldn't, you know, it, honestly, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for the direction of Mia, which is, yeah, it's just really crazy to think. Um, so yeah, things do happen for a reason, you know? There's a yeah. higher power, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Do you I've guys always, just, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I've always wished for like a sister. So I have like a close group of friends um, that I, you know, I consider her as a sister and I have other like close friends I consider as sisters too. So it doesn't always have to be blood. It's just that connection that you have with them is um, what I consider important. Well, I know here you guys use the term floor friends. Floor friends, yes. So I'm going to elaborate on that. <laughs> uh, so um, when I was living in my parents' house, there was an extra room in the basement. And because I love crafting, um, I did a lot of, projects throughout college and um, a lot of my friends asked if they needed help and um, I took I took that advantage and invited them over and when they helped me craft uh, but afterwards um, after after that crafting session we would just sit and talk about life so floor friends are basically like your forever friends who can sit or lie on like lie down on the floor for hours talking about life and such. And it's just those people who make it very meaningful um, to like, to, who make you feel good and um, you know, who empower you and inspire you um, throughout, throughout whatever you're going through. Yeah. And I feel like we definitely, we definitely, um, I definitely felt like the floor friend, um, actually like three months ago um, when COVID was just reappearing and, or appearing and um, Mia's a, a ICU nurse, so she's exposed to COVID a lot. She um, got COVID and I was, you know, for me, that's just really scary because um, I understand how scary COVID, can, COVID is. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah, um, so I would, I would literally, literally call her every day and be like, Hey Mia, how are you doing? And, um, we would use the app house party to connect with other friends too. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we were definitely floor friends just talking about life, catching up, 
um, and eating for hours. Like they have nowhere to be. They just want to sit and talk. I think it's amazing. I mean, it's the purest form of friendship, I would would imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so hard to develop um, friendships as an adult. So um, it's really great that we're able to just, you know, during this time, as hard as it is, um, we have more time to just connect with one another mm-hmm. and make up for lost time now that we live separately. Mm-hmm. Mm. Before we jump into that, there's there's a note about Grandma's funeral, Ken Funeral Director. <laughs> yeah, um, so it was in, okay, summer of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother passed away uh, mm-hmm. naturally. And um, so we actually, I had it at, um, what is it, uh, Mountain View Mortuary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, there was actually this funeral director named Ken, who was very compassionate and caring and uh, just made the transition um, from, from like during our grieving, uh, very smooth. Mm-hmm. And for Kathy yeah. was, um, she actually, her, her grandmother passed away like, a month later yeah so she actually actually held that like their family held that funeral at mountain view mortuary and ken was the funeral director who helped kathy's family uh like you know help transition um like with the grieving and you know actually during this time um mia was really um busy with nursing school so it wasn't like I reached out to her and was like, hey, um, tell me more. Like, I need help during this grieving process. Um, it was just more like she was just there for me. And it was just a hard time because all my cousins from Vegas came up and they were ex- like expecting, like, what can I do help with? What can I do? And since like I was out with my grandparents' um, funeral, um, it was really stressful. It was, I, broke out a lot um I had pimples all over my face during that time and um Mia was just there um I think I just posted something about um, my grandma's death and she was like hey I'm gonna come there uh, I'll, I'll be with you and I was like no it's okay don't it's okay you don't need to go it's just like you know it's a funeral it's kind of weird and morbid and she showed up and um yeah I found out that she had the same um funeral director and Ken was just amazing he was like he's the youngest general director in Nevada and um we just both shared that bond that like we knew Ken he helped us through um one of the most challenging times of our life and um Mia's parents would just bring food um like as offerings um what, what we do in our um Filipino traditions um for funerals and she was just there I didn't realize how important it was um, for her to be there during this really rocky time in my life. How do you think that helped develop your relationship with something so, I mean, I, a lot of people don't experience a death, death so close to each other, especially with grandparents. So how do you think that helped your bond? I think it grew stronger. Yeah. Um, it's, you don't say, like, I think that's something that we never share with anyone. Mm-hmm. And now that we're, you know, sharing this uh, during this, like our story, it's it's very meaningful uh, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, with any like hard time, like any hard time that a friend is going through, you want to be there for them. And it's really important to just show up instead of, you know, just, I, I'm not the type of person who just like says my condolences. I just, I try to go above and beyond by asking them how they're doing and um, I'm, I'm I like to, you know, just make sure that they're taken care of, um, uh, like when they're grieving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, actually, um, we had a really open conversation. Um, we took a trip to Chicago together last year and, um, I was, I kept on hitting this, like this wall of, um, just, I just felt like I wasn't successful in my own mind. And then me would ask like, well, where do you think it started from? And I was just so open about like how hard um, the death of my grandma was. And um, she was able to understand that because she was there for me during that time. So, yeah. 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 We definitely That's reflected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
man, that's just like adding to the definition of floor friends. Every time you guys say something like that, I'm like, is that, is that floor friend? Wow. <laughs> yeah, floor friend. <laughs> <laughs> Such a beautiful term. Speaking of moving away, so he's graduate. Uh, Mia goes to Michigan. And Kathy, you're still in Reno, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so you guys have really helped each other improve your mindsets and improve representation and just feeling like you belong. So when you separate, how was that? Well, the beginning, when I moved 2,000, 2000 miles away from home, that was really challenging. Um, I always made assumptions in the sense of people or people or my friends or my family in Reno were doing things better off and like they forgot about me. So that was really hard. Um, but Kathy was actually one of the few friends who actually reached out to me to see if I was doing okay. Um, when I really wasn't doing okay since I was really homesick and I was struggling to build a foundation in Michigan. So having somebody familiar and close to my heart uh, was really comforting during those hard times since she was she was just able to just talk to me and I can just be a normal person and let my guard down. Why did you go to Michigan? Um, so I went to Michigan since my fiance works for one uh, for General Motors mm -hmm. um, as an as a mechanical engineer and I decided to follow him there um, and work as a nurse. What about for you, Kathy? Yeah, um, so I was um, post-college, you know, um, I was trying to figure out, you know, my third door, <laughs> um, what Alex Benayan um, talks about, and because um, I wasn't happy doing this nursing pre-med route. Um, but, instead of sitting down and planning for my future, I kind of found like escapism and just trying to, you know, travel more, do X, Y, Z. And um, Mia, you know, she was like the rock friend. She was, um, the, she was the person that kind of made me more stable in a way that I'm always 100 miles per hour wanting to do something getting FOMO if I don't do something. Um, and she would just sit with me during our like conversations. Um, she would she would bring her structure and routine and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You should do this too. And she would buy me stuff like a passion planner and uh, just really jotting down my goals and dreams and put action to it. And um, she, she would also, um, she would also share with me um, the book the third door um, during my career change transition and that just was the perfect timing to um, have read that book because I was doing the career change I always wanted um, and she was telling me to read this and do these mentoring sessions to gain insight of um, what else you need to do to achieve your goals and it was just really great that I can still have these um, great mentoring experiences with Mia as a big sister, um, thousands of miles away. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we would just talk about life still. And um, we would talk about, you know, relationship, traveling, what we experienced, um, our childhood traumas and so on. And just, you know, how, how to grow from each other and, we can do that. We can have conversations and have, don't talk for a couple months and pick up where we came from. I want to talk about more about your individual struggles because it sounds like you, after the separation, you guys both just kind of going down your journeys had really tough struggles. So, like, Kathy, we could touch on yours was, so you were going to nursing school and then you decided to switch? Yeah. Um, so I, so I went, UNR, I got, um, I graduated with neuroscience. I wanted to be a doctor at that time. And um, after I graduated, I was like, I don't know if I want to put in the effort to do another seven years of schooling. So mm. I, um, I then chose nursing path. And I was, um, this was in 2017. And I was a CNA at a hospital. 
Um, when, during this time, was there, was there like your parents' voice in your head, like nurse, 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 or was this your own conscious choice? Yeah, um, I feel like it was a lot of subliminal messages through my childhood of my parents telling me to be a nurse. And I just remember one time during counseling um, to register for classes, um, I was telling my advisor, I was like, um, I, my parents want me to be a nurse. And um, <laughs> like, I think this is like the only way I can be successful. That was just so ingrained in my head until just recently where I found out that I don't have to do that. But yeah, I just felt like I just had to be a nurse. That's the only way you can be successful because my surroundings was all nurses. Um, and um, yeah, after college, I was a CNA and I just saw the realities of being a nurse. Like I am very emotional, so I got burnt out quickly. And I just wanted to connect with the patients, but connecting with patients also, um, connecting with patients is hard because if you build a connection and they're still sick, it's, it's really hard on you. Um, and I found out that I didn't want to do this anymore. I found myself, you know, partying more because I wanted a form of escaping or traveling more because I just wanted to escape from what I saw at work. Um, and I tried even like going to um, working in pre-op, post-op, um, which is easier than um, the medical floor in the hospital. And I found out I still didn't like it. Um, so I did a career change and I found a lot of happiness. Um, and I found like the values that I want to live by, which is to empower people, impact and um, shape the world and also be um, able to have freedom, which is financially freedom and having the fin um, freedom of time and um, seeing my mom as a nurse, it looked like she didn't have a lot of freedom for time working 12 hour shifts. So, yeah. You guys were this close to being medical floor friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mia, so talk about um, your struggle. So, you went to nurse, you, you finished nursing school and you became a nurse. Um, but I understand. Is, is there still struggle with that, or are you content in your um, career choice? Um, well, before COVID happened, I was, I've been a nurse for three years, and before COVID happened, um, I, was, I had this lifestyle set up for me where I would work five shifts, or five shifts every month, or, you know, five shifts a week, for like a month and then go on vacation and then do it all over again, do it all over again. Mm. Uh, I was always grinding and there was not enough play. I didn't have like time to balance like my mental health and uh, like I didn't prioritize that. So um, I think COVID getting, being contracted with COVID was a wake up call for me mm -hmm. since um, I didn't, I definitely lacked balance in work and my personal life. Um, I always tell myself that I should never be content of like, like, you know, be complacent and stay on the same unit for like, for like five years. Like I always have to set goals for myself every year. Um, and like one of my fears is um, like the, one of my fears is that like the following year, if I'm still at that place and I still feel the same. Like, am I still going to be passive and just keep going or am I going to do something about it? So it's definitely that push that I have to like, you know, encourage myself that uh, being in uncomfortable situations is the key to uh, becoming successful mm. um, in, my, in my, like, in my words. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. That's Oh, yeah, feel free to interrupt me at any time, by the way. Um, I'm just here to, to carry the story along. I want to hear from you guys more than – it's like an 80-20 rule like Alex talks about, 80% 80, 80 you, 20% me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so now that we're at that point, I want to hear what success looks like for each of you because I know for Kathy it's changed a lot, but it sounds like it's also changing a lot for you, Mia. So what, is, what does success look like? Success to me is just 
Um, like I, uh, like on my side of the story, I love nursing. I love the adrenaline of saving people and healing them. Growing up, uh, since we were, you know, low middle class, I definitely saw my family struggle and try to make ends meet. And because I have the stability of become like of, you know, having becoming a nurse and um, also having um, a good amount of days off, uh, I feel I. I feel like I, um, I don't have to struggle like I like they did back back in the day, and um, my definition of success is just to keep trying and just never um, stay in the same place and always be open minded to new new experiences and new things because you never know where it will lead you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great to um, see Mia transition because she was definitely around Siemens um, through her college life. I was very <laughs> yeah. I was very uptight if it didn't go my way, and it really showed because um, there was one point in our friendship where Kathy wouldn't tell me anything. <laughs> oh, okay. Right, we skipped over that. Let's go back. <laughs> <That was cute. laughs> perfect it wasn't like i know yeah no no friendship sorry um i guess i because i was the mentor i had very high expectations of my little to do to like i guess be similar like me um Mm. oh and i learned that that's definitely impossible and it's not it, it just doesn't make sense so um, I learned to embrace the differences um, in other people and um, what they like and what their interests are. Because, and yeah. Yeah. What was that yeah. like from your perspective, Kathy? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> she did call me out. I didn't tell her everything. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I felt like, um, you know, Mia was really focused on nursing school and um, she, she did have these expectations. Um, and also I just wanted to like kind of live my life, but I didn't want to disappoint her with my crazy anecdotes. Um, so (laughs) I, I didn't really overshare those, um, like the things, um, anything like my personal life too much for Mia because, um, I just wanted her to be proud of my success. And at that time, my success was academic driven to make her happy. Um, but I never told her about like, um, my, my personal life too much. Um, and I think it was, she, she says that, um, she wished she was, she wanted, um, her mentee to be someone that's similar like her, but I don't think, um, you really grow much from those type of relationships where you think alike. Um, I think it's really important to have a diverse friend group that has different values so you can challenge those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it wasn't until it wasn't until um, Mia was in Chicago. She um, it wasn't until Mia and me were in Chicago. She kind of realized that she was uptight during college, and um, I just felt like I missed out on a lot of experiences that I should have taken during college. Um, I think it's really important if somebody invites you. Um, always be open and considerate and considerate of it instead of just shutting it down. Um, Cause the more you say no, the more they feel, they end up not inviting you to like these events anymore. And I feel like you just miss out on something like something. An amazing. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Where did the no's come from? Like where, why did you feel so much to, that you wanted to say no so much? Um, I well, since my parent, since my family struggled, there was a lot of pressure that I created around like, for myself to be be um, be a nurse. Um, I'm the first one in my family who is who works in the medical field, and it was a lot of pressure. And if I if I felt like I messed up, then it it 
it wasn't, you know, like I would fail, like as like I would fail to become a nurse. And I, it was just really, it was very challenging because there was, there was also not, there was no balance also during, um, while I was in nursing school. Yeah. I felt like she had a lot of pressure on herself. I felt like she was trying to prove, um, she was trying to prove that she could do everything, which she is. She's like a superwoman. She can do everything, but it created a lot of, um, like it created, she was kind of really rigid with, um, her day to day, like when she was in Reno, um, it was hard for her to say yes to opportunities or sometimes, um, you know, open up about her feelings without like saying the bad things because it's kind of hard when you want to be you know a perfectionist you know to open up about those type of things mm-hmm. where's your what's your relationship with that pressure now um i see now that i'm older i feel like i can manage the pre- like i can manage the pressure now and since i live I've moved out of my parents' house and I live far away to where I'm not influenced by anybody. I can finally like reflect on myself and catch myself if I am like if this pre- if this pressure is still building, I can like take take a step back and realize okay, I need to tone it down and um and you know work on it. Okay. Nice. So it's still, but you're still do you still feel it tug at you sometimes? Sometimes, but I have to also, sometimes. So if somebody tries to invite me to something, to like an event or something, I actually say yes. Well, actually I consider it and then I say yes, only because I still want, I want to cultivate new friendships and I want to learn more about the other person and uh, listen to their perspectives and um, what they've been through instead of just always like be like always like thinking about myself did you feel like maybe sometimes like when you were uptight you were kind of judgmental through your friendships yeah I I was really judgmental well I'm really I was really judgmental if um if somebody were was doing something that I didn't believe in I would totally judge them for it Mm -hmm. and now that well, now that I'm older and I realize that um, that I was toxic at some like in some point of my life, um, I realized that I was the unhealthy person who had these behaviors. And since I'm taking these steps um, by doing therapy, going, attending these third door mentor sessions, um, I'm learning them. And you know, it's it's not an overnight thing. It's definitely a process. Um, there's also there's also times where I catch myself like, okay, why am I saying this? Why, why, like, I just have to embrace um, people, like people's like beliefs and like their di- like from their different upbringing. I think yeah, that I think um, through our trip, our travel that we um, went to Chicago, I was trying to like open Mia's mind to be like hey, I know our um, friends are, like, different, but trying to see it from their perspective. And um, it's it's hard sometimes um, to, like, have, to confront a friend like that. But I, I was glad that I was able to talk to her through that time and just have a really open conversation about, um, I think you'll be happier if you, you're concerned less about, people's actions um and you know just accept them no matter what um and um i think that's really important for adult relationships just to be accepting no matter what if they do something weird that you don't really like you just need to be accepting because you know the world the world is hard and judgmental as it is then you can just be accepting um to people um it can, and be, everyone. It can be tough i mean a lot of people want to change the people around them, but you can't change anyone who doesn't want to change themselves. You got to do it by example. And that could be, I know I've struggled with it. I think most people struggle with it. And yeah, like you said, adult relationships are really the time to, to help break that. Yeah. So what think, what, what makes you think, what keeps drawing you guys back together? Cause you guys are so far away from each other and a lot of college friendships die. I know 
unfortunately a lot of mine have died not died but like we haven't talked in a while what do you think keeps drawing you guys back together i think kathy showed me that you know texting or like a simple text or a simple phone call comes a long way and just checking up on your friends is something that should be integrated in your in your routine because you never know what that person's going through and that person who is struggling is like is more than appreciative of that gesture that your friend did yeah i i think um i i truly do believe in that i feel like yeah it's it's hard to um go alone in this world you know um so i try to make a point to say um, connected with the friends that I met if there was something that reminded me of them I'd text them right then and there because you know you don't know what they're going through a simple text would be um, could help people from feeling lonely and with today's technology um, a lot of people are drawn to their phones or uh, more more separated pursuing their ambitions that you sometimes feel lonely climbing to the top. So I think it's important to just continue cultivating those relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, so Kathy, I feel like I, I accidentally skipped over your, um, what success looks like for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so success to me, um, yeah, what I was saying, my values is to, I want to empower people and then I want to impact um, the world, um, however little it can be. Um, I was volunteering third world countries in college and just having that perspective of impacting the world little by little that that really stuck with me and freedom just financial freedom and time um you know having that work life harmony not work life balance um so just having that that those are um what success looked for me from nursing's the only way to be successful to kind of finding your key values and um yeah right now i'm working at a Defense Aerospace Company, where I'm working with the biz, biz op department, and um, it's a really great opportunity to really just submerge myself in how business works, especially since I didn't get that business experience um, education in college, and that's definitely gave me freedom of time and finances. Big change, wow, go from nursing yeah. to... Uh, big change hey nice work <laughs> yeah yeah it's fantastic it was, it was it's hard it was really hard um you know i suffered from a lot of um what's it called um imposter syndrome yeah 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 imposter syndrome thank you thank you james. i got you i got you <laughs> yeah um so before that i was working at a, a tech startup and i felt like i was always trying to jump the gun i was kept on saying okay like what can I do now? How do I become successful? Um, like, I just want, I just want to get promoted already or something like that. I, it was just a lot of external validation. Um, but yeah, just kind of finding my key values um, really resonated and, you know, finding my content and realizing I am successful, you know? Um, so that was, that was really like enlightening that, um, this time during COVID, I was able to really reflect on what I want out of life and what is success, what success defines um, for me. It's not just money and um, status. It's more than that. So how do you, what is impacting people look like? Is it uh, books, speaking? Yeah. Um, so I, in high school and college, I was really involved um, with volunteer organizations. Um, so I think just volunteering in the community. Um, in college, I was in a club called MedLife, and um, we went to third world countries and provided medicine, education, and, and development, um, where we provided medical clinics, edu educated um, populations like in Peru and Ecuador, um, like different things like STDs, because that's very common over there. Mm -hmm. um, and then development, like in Peru, um, they have a lot of mountains and like people would go to their, it was kind of like, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like slums because it's um, a kind of a poverty area, but they would walk up these mountains and they would fall um, because there was no proper stair system. So we mm -hmm. built that and impact is just, you know, um, 
having that impact in community service. Um, I saw a lot of my parents um, doing community service growing up. So, um, you know, any way I could donate or, you know, be in um, help bring my hours into helping the community grow um, or even like having my story shared with others to aspire them that, you know, there's other routes to be successful and to be honest with yourself. Um, those, that's impact for me. It's, that's, that impacted me right there. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be a two-parter. So the first part is 10-year-old Kathy and Mia, what, are they, what would they think of current day Kathy and Mia? I think they would be proud of us. Um, I think my values have changed over time and um, my priority is, you know, the French, like the friendships and the, like being around family. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that goes a long way than becoming a famous singer. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, um, I always wanted to find that part of belonging. So um, I always wanted to belong some way. And um, I think my my younger self would be happy because I am now content with my partner, my relationships, this type of friend group that we have, and just being open to meeting new people and finding yourself just being honest and finding your truth and how you want to live your life. Um, I think she would be happy. All right. And then first day me reveals she's your big, that friendship, <laughs> that, that Kathy and Mia being friends, looking at you two being friends right now. Oh man. Yeah. That's a good question. You. Hmm. I think she, Kathy back then, I don't think she would have known this relationship would have blossomed to what it is and how many coincidences occurs during our relationship. So younger me would have been like, wow, that's crazy. Um, I'm glad that we can be closer. And I'm glad that you show me what being a true friend is, you know, sticking with me through thin and thick, picking back where we came um, last, last we're from. Yeah. yeah. Where we last picked up. Yeah. Um, I think 22-year-old Mia or 2014 Mia would say, um, I, I, I'm proud of Kathy to what she has become and to what she ha- has become. Um, and she doesn't have to impress me just to like, tell me that she wants to be a nurse. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy with what she has done and accomplished and that she had this courage to um, like go out of her comfort zone and make something out of herself um, instead of following her family's dream of becoming by, by going into the medical field. I think that's very powerful. Uh, it's a very powerful move for her to um, set that foundation uh, for future generations in her family. Oh, that's, that's beautiful, man. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I, can I add on? <laughs> I, <laughs> I just thought of that. Yeah, that was, that was very open. That was very sweet. Um, I would say, yeah, um, you know, be really open, Mia, um, with the experiences that you have. And yeah, be a, be a yes man and uh, use that energy um, of making everything perfect to experience life um, and, you know, just live in the moment, you know. It's okay to leave ex- your the expectations that you grew up with. It's okay that it's okay that you don't need to follow them just just live life you know in the it's present something beautiful in between like in the end yeah mm. so i end these with the greatest gift which um so the greatest gift you guys gave me today was the beautiful friendship and how amazing you can evolve over time with two people from 2014 when you guys first met to now and just seeing you guys continue to be with each, continue to go back to each other and improve each other and help each other and then helping each other you guys help everyone else and now Kathy wants to impact the world just like she's impact Mia and he wants to continue to impact as well and I think that's beautiful now I want you guys to tell each other that the greatest gift 
you guys have given each other and that could be not just today, it could be anytime. Yeah. Do you want to start me? Okay. <laughs> so the takeaways that I learned from Kathy is that I should never make any assumptions. Uh, like going back to making assumptions that everyone's doing fun things um, and that they forgot about me. Um, the second one is seeing the light in every situation. And the third one is to always check up on the people you care about, even if they're far away. And the last one is that um, I was able to have a sense of belonging in the sense of being able to confide in a person who wouldn't judge me based on my past experiences and my imperfections. Yeah, that was, that was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I want to say that, Mia, thank you um, for teaching me, you know, the structure of routine. And, um, you know, I have a thousand ideas, but putting my goals into, um, you know, paper and acting on it, that's really important. Thank you for exemplifying that. And thank you for always, you know, giving me great food advice. We're um, foodies. Yeah. By the way, we love yeah. trying like new foods. Yeah. And wow. um we should have dived in that I should launch a food po- I could launch a food podcast just for that. I could yeah. do it all day. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm an aspiring Yelp lead. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, travel and you know even relationship advice. Um and um thank you for helping me get to my third door and making sure I am healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. And um, thank you for also teaching me how to balance um, oversharing and, you know, keeping things that are private, private, and keeping things, um, you know, sharing with friends and families what is needed to be shared. So thank you for that. And um, for people that are struggling with, you know, having these, Adult friendship, I just do want to say there's this really great quote in Buddhism that is a thousand of candles can be lit from a single candle and the life of the candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreases from being shared. And I, I believe that's how it is. So, you know, don't don't make assumptions that, you know, your friends are too busy um, and just be compassionate and open and check up on them. And if you're having a hard time trying to find friends um just find a hobby that you like and you'll find people like-minded to you love that i love that well thank you too this was this was a good experiment and i think we uh we learned a lot so thank you so much for being here thanks james thanks you can find out more about mia on instagram at mia.meets.world find out about kathy at xk D-A-W-G. If you like this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. It really helps others find us. Now, the greatest gift you gave me today is your time, attention, and open mind. Keep ascending.